morning, everyone. So it's Wednesday, May 5th, uh, 7.42 a.m. I'm heading to work, but I'm in a different car. So I'm doing it off, I think, my phone or Bluetooth in the car. I'm not really sure. But anyway, I'm going to check this out and see if it helps, see if it's okay. If you don't hear all the background noise that sounds like I'm in a race car or standing on the side of a freeway. But if it's good, I'll play it. If, it, if it's not, I won't. Uh, <clears throat> so we kind of, we kind of got stopped in the story because of current events. And I'll give you a brief update of what's going on with Ryan. Uh, so far he's been clean. I'm about to test him. Uh, actually tomorrow is when I plan on testing him. So we'll find out how that goes. Uh, and he says he's been clean. Uh, that's what he tells me. And of course you want to believe him and you want to trust that he's clean. And so, but as Dr. Reedy said that my consequences and my boundaries aren't to change his behavior there to make me okay. So I have to keep remembering that, that I'm not like, that doesn't come naturally. I'm just going to say that like not wanting to change somebody's behavior it is, is that's not natural. Like we want to change people's behavior, right? Like that, that's just normal. We are like, okay, if I do this and then they don't, they don't respond to that. So I'm going to do something else to change the behavior because it's, it's, it's like for it's life threatening. It's, it's, it's urgent. It's, I, I don't know what the right adjective is here, but it's, you feel like it's absolutely necessary to put this boundary or this consequence in that will be so severe that they'll listen. But I don't know. You look at so many people and the, they've, they've been strict. They've been, you know, lenient. It, do, it really doesn't matter. It matters to the, the person. So that Ryan's, Ryan's inner struggle is Ryan's inner struggle. And all I can do is make my life better by boundaries and consequences and just hope and pray that he figures it out. So anyway, tomorrow's the big test and we shall see. He, so he did buy a car. So he bought a BMW convertible. And before you guys are like, oh my gosh, you'd like, no, he, it was like an 06, right? So it's super old convertible, but it's really good looking and it looks super bougie and you know, whatever, but it's, it's an 06. So, and the, <laughs> and the tires need replaced and there's some, there's some sun damage and you know, there's just things he's going to have to fix to make it look nice, it, but it has low mileage for being a, um, an 06. But anyway, what he did was he basically broke the bank to, to buy this. So he spent all his savings, um, to buy this car. We, I think he found it on like offer up or something like that. And he, uh, we were a little leery about it because the guy was asking the, the price, the guy was asking Ryan didn't have that. So he lowballed him with what he had. Right. And which was $1,500 less. And the guy just took it like that. So that was super, super sketch. I, I know I'm hip. I talk like the kids. That's how they say it. Like 
right? Anyway, just joking. Um, so he it was super sketchy. And anyway, we, Mark works for the ATV dealer, right? So he sells motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-side, stuff like that. Uh, and so they travel all around Arizona and I think outside of Arizona to go pick up things that they buy. The son of the owner, that's his like job. And so he had gone, he had gone to Phoenix in that area where the, we were going to go look at the car. And he said he would stop by and look at it. And he did. And he ends up knowing the guy that's selling the car. Like he used to race dirt bikes for him. So anyway, that's kind of a long story, but we found out that the, the person selling it was seemed on the up and up and he just kind of wanted to get rid of it. And he'd had it for a long time, but it had sat for a long time. I think, I think it's been sitting for two years, the car. So that's bad, obviously. So we had to, you know, flush the fluids and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about, but I really don't. So the point of telling you that story is that by breaking the bank, Ryan has nothing now. Like he, he has no money and he had to borrow a hundred dollars from me just to get plates on the car. And it was so funny because Ryan is so stingy with his money. Like he's just like, I told him the other day we're at Mackenzie's volleyball game and I'm like, send your brother, um, sell your brother 20 bucks so he can run to the store and get vegetables and rice. Cause I was going to make chicken fried rice. And he goes, no, I'm never going to get it back. And like the blind rage that I had <laughs> in that moment was just awful because I'm like, are you kidding me? You're not going to give 20 bucks so that the family can eat. So I don't have to go home, go get the food and come home. You know, like the selfishness was just beyond what I could, what I could hold at that point. And so he's like, no, you'll never pay me back. I go, when have I not paid ever? You know, when have I not paid you back money? Well, he had not worn his retainer. So they made him get a new retainer and get fitted for a new retainer. And it was like, I forget, uh, 360, I think was the retainer, $360. So Ryan just paid for it. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to pay, I'll pay half of that for you, but I'm not paying the whole thing because you're the one that didn't wear the retainer. So you, you're, you're owning some of this and hopefully that'll make you wear the retainer now. And I said, I'll pay you, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. And I just, <laughs> always blow it off. So it took me a little while and I go, okay, I'll pay you on Friday. How's that? I'll pay you on Friday. And then, <laughs> and so he, he could definitely be a bill collector because <laughs> he's like, he's like, do you have my money? 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 And I'm like, oh my gosh, kid, you live with me. Shut up. But anyway, he was so selfish about that 20 bucks. I almost, I literally almost killed him, but he has no money now. So I loaned him a hundred bucks for plates and, uh, he, I said, Oh, don't worry, right. You can pay me back over two checks. Just give me 50 bucks on this check and 50 bucks on the, the next. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, and if you need longer, it's fine too. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, because I know he's flat broke, right? And he's having to start over on the, this whole savings thing. And, uh, but I also know that having that nest egg was really, really, really 
safe for him because he knew at any moment he could leave and go get an apartment or move out, right? And now he can't. And if I kick him out, he's gonna be homeless. So he's very fearful of that. I mean, I don't know that I could kick him out no matter what he, well, I shouldn't say that. I could, but he's very fear, fearful of being kicked out. And he, he definitely believes the conversation that we had uh, that day, that Sunday, when I sat down and read him that letter. And I meant it. I, I did. I, I meant it. It's just that, you know, now that he doesn't have all that money, would I feel okay with making him move out? I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm sticking, I'm sticking to my story. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. But anyway, so that's kind of where he is now. Uh, he is he said yesterday, he told me he had a super, like a super chill day is what he called it. And he had things that could have triggered him to get super, you know, really mad. And he says have cravings to smoke. And he was able to overcome that. Like he, he was able to control his anger. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a step. I'm, I'm really happy for that. And the fact that he notices that is great. Right. Um, Again, we still need to get him to meetings, but I, I can only push so hard and we still need to get him to counseling. So I'm hoping and praying that we will um, he'll get to a point where he'll feel the need for it and we can, we can get him there. Uh, but we're just not there yet. It's basically how, what, the, what the bottom line is. Bottom line is for that. So one thing, one story I want to tell about this, what is, um, and I'm totally jumping ahead and, but I want to talk about it because I've had two friends tell me, two friends have incidents with, um, in Arizona, it's called DCS, Department of Child Services. It used to be CPS, but when Jan Brewer was governor, she changed it because there was a, um, a horrible case where, uh, some, you know, a child, child's welfare fell through the cracks and the child ended up dying. And, uh, so they, they just revamped the whole system and they called it, um, department of child safety. So I won't tell you what Ryan did, but it was really egregious. Okay. Super, super, super bad. Uh, because that'll be a different story. And, but he did something so terrible to Mark and I, and then he was like, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. And Ryan's whole MO, his whole drug addiction time was just deny, 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 deny. And I think I've explained that just deny, deny, deny until, you know, like he gets the feeling overcomes him that he's going to tell the truth. Right. And so, um, that, that's what he did with this thing that he did. So he's seen this new counselor at this time and again, I'm, I'm, I believe I'm jumping ahead of a couple of good stories, but so he's seen this new counselor and she's okay. Like I don't, I don't love her, but I didn't hate her either. Um, but she's young, uh, but she's with like a good group. And again, I think I've told you this, but finding a counselor was next to impossible. 
I had lists of 30, 40, 50 counselors and nobody was taking patients. Nobody would take the EAP. Nobody would take, um, so there are counselors out there, but to get the counselor to be on the benefits that you have is sometimes difficult because counselors being smart, right? They're being smart. I'm not, I'm nothing against them are not taking the insurance because apparently like if they charge, uh, you know, $110 a session or whatever, right? Um, I think they don't get all that if they go through insurance. And so, and so it's, it's, it was just really hard. It was really hard to get uh, to find somebody. So we found a good, a good, uh, group that looked legitimate, had good reviews. You know, there was like four or five counselors in the office. So it was, you know, uh, uh, it was a group of counselors. So they had an office staff and you know, that kind of a thing. And funny thing is, is that one time when we were bringing Ryan to this counselor, uh, we ran into Michael's parents and Michael. So they were, Michael's parents were bringing him to that counselor too. These are the people that want to get mad at me because I'm bringing up actions of the kids that aren't matching their, what they're saying. And then the mom was like, you're accusing my son of selling drugs. And like, I'm like, no, no, that's not even close to what happened. I'm saying the boys are up to something. And I thought we were on the same team, but apparently we're not. So again, I know I've talked about that before, but denial's huge, right? Denial's huge in parenting. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm any better cause I didn't, I wasn't in denial, but, uh, that was hard. I went through that with a couple parents and denial, just living in a dreamland, like they know what their kids are doing. He still smokes to this day, Michael. He still gets high like daily, daily. The kid is constantly high. Um, and she's like, oh, he's so depressed and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, cause he's in psychosis because he smokes THD all day. Yeah. Pretty it's good. But you know, don't, don't let me accuse him of selling your kid drug, my kid drugs. Anyway, uh, so we're, we, we've been going a, a few sessions and she had us all go together and once or twice, like she would have us come in for part of the session, but then she would be with Ryan for the, the end of the session. And basically, um, I could tell right away she didn't like Mark. Uh, and again, in this time, Mark was difficult. I'm, I'm not going to say he wasn't like Mark was, uh, his way of dealing with all this was control and power. Okay. Control and power, anger, yelling. Um, you will do this. You will do that. And there's no roadmap for this, right? Like we hear all the time, all oh, parents just need to get tough and parents just need to be, you know, harder on their kids and spank them and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you what I spanked Ryan. If you're mad at me about it, you can be mad at me about it. But Ryan got spanked. The other two, not so much. Uh, um, I may have swatted him on the butt here and there, but the other two didn't get spanked, but 
Ryan was bad. Ryan was just a really bad kid. Um, but I'll take blame for that because whatever was going on should have been addressed back then. And it wasn't. So I will take complete responsibility for it. But, uh, power and control in these situations is not the answer. It's just not, it's not the answer. It is, it makes it worse. Like, honestly, like it, when Mark would get into those moods and start yelling and just be like, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this, you know? And at one point we, I think I've told you this, but we had the door off Ryan's room. There was no Xbox, no phone, no, you know, we took every privilege he could even think of out of his room. And it just made him want to go use more, honestly. And he tells, he tells us that later. So Ryan, Ryan does this terrible, terrible thing. And it was money. He stole, he stole a lot of money from us. And Mark says to him, I'm going to, please excuse my language. I'm just, this, this is what was said. I'm going to kick your fucking ass is what Mark said to, to Ryan. He never put hands on him. There was never physical violence in the house during any of this. Well, okay. There one time we had to wrestle Ryan to the ground. But other than that, there was no physical violence. But he did tell Ryan that after Ryan stole, uh, I think it was a thousand dollars from us. And, uh, so Ryan tells his counselor and guess what the counselor does? Yes. I'm, I'm Tory reporter and I have to call on this. So I'm a mandatory reporter too. We all know this, right? And the problem with this is the difference between common sense and an actual, an actual threat, right? Like, is this child in danger, right? Cause when Ryan tells the story, it's over. We, we've all, we've all come to terms with the fact that Ryan stole a thousand dollars from us. Uh, but so there's no danger at this point. So my argument here, and I I'm sure I have a biased view on this and I have tried to look at this from back away. I've tried to back away from this. I really, really have just because I try to be reasonable about these kind of things, but I was so mad at this lady. I, I wanted to go picket the office. Like that's how mad I was. I wanted to go picket the office. She knew what we had already been through. She knew about the arrest. She knew about the suicide attempt. She knew about the cars. She knew about he stole the money. She knew about um, just the constant drug use and the constant craziness that we were dealing with. And we were already so emotionally spent and she felt that calling DCS and putting one more stressor in our lives was appropriate. Even though there was no threat when Ryan told her this story. And 
I'm, you can tell I'm, I'm still getting worked up about it. So the reason I wanted to bring this story up is because the same thing happened to one of my friends. So she, she and I just happened to meet somewhere and I am very open, right? Like you, you can tell by how I'm telling these stories, but I'm very open. And I said, I told her, yeah, my son and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, I need to talk to you, my daughter. And she starts telling me about her daughter the problems she's having with her daughter and her daughter has some substance abuse issues, but you know, it, it results in promiscuity and you know, there's, there's some issues there, right? Well, she gets her daughter into a psychologist and they go through all the screening and whatever. Well, whatever her daughter said in this screening caused somebody to call DCS. So now she's got to have this appointment with DCS to explain. And Oh, like it's just being re-victimized. That's what I mean. It, it's just being victim, re-victimized. You're already being, you're already being like just under siege from your kid, right? And then now you, you're going through this. You're emotionally spent, emotionally spent. These these situations keep happening, and then then this comes up. It's just it, I felt like it was just one more like horror that I had to go through. So this part's a little funny. So this poor DCS guy, right? Like, <laughs> so he leaves a card on my door and I see the card and just lose my mind. I'm not gonna lie, I just lost my mind. And I called him back and he didn't answer. I left a message that was maybe a little aggressive. Uh, and it was a Friday. And so Monday comes, Monday morning, I call him again. And I'm like, hey, you know, you left a card on my doorstep, blah, 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 you know, whatever. So he doesn't, he doesn't call me back. I call the supervisor the next day. I think it was like Tuesday, I call the supervisor. I'm like, look, you can't just leave cards on people's doors and not call them back and tell them what's going on. Like, I get you're busy, but uh-uh, no, not. I need, I need somebody to call me back today. And so, uh, he calls me back and apparently he tells the story later, but he's in court. Like he's, he's sitting in court, but, um, like the court's not going is how I'm understanding it because you wouldn't be able to get on your phone when the judge is talking. Right. So he's sitting in court and he calls me and I answer and he's like, this is so-and-so from Arizona Department of Child Services. <laughs> and I, 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 I just kind of lost, lost it, right? Like I, I just kind of lost it. And I just said, listen, uh, I have nothing to hide. You're welcome to come over. You're welcome to, uh, you know, come, 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 go, go talk to my kids. I, I'm open. But I was, and then I just wound myself up. Right. So I, by the end, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And he says, <laughs> cause I'm starting to talk about the counselor and what a horrible person I think she is for calling them and re-victimizing us again. And, 
And so I guess he had to leave the courtroom and everybody was staring at him, but he was like, it's okay. <laughs> because I was screaming. I'm not proud of it. I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but it's what happened. And it was, uh, it was part of the story, I guess is what I, all I can say. So, uh, he schedules a home visit. So we're all home. Uh, I think it ends up being a Tuesday because Mark's off on weird days. He's off on Tuesday and Sunday, which is super odd. I know, but anyway, that's, that's what he's off on. And he comes over and he, he makes us go upstairs. So he talks to all the three kids alone and then I come down, but it's taking forever, right? So now he's probably been at the house for an hour and a half. And me and Mark are sitting in our rooms, held hostage, right, waiting. So he finally calls me down. And then I come down and I'm sitting there. And I'm just telling him the story of everything we're going through with Ryan. And I said, I said, uh, I, may have, I may have got loud again, but I, I just said, take him. You can have him. Take him. Uh, and he was hiding in the living room so he could listen. And I said, I don't care. I don't care. I am done. He, you can take him with you. You're not touching my other two. Cause there's nothing you heard from them that is, you know, makes me or Mark a threat. I said, but you can have him take him to a home, take him to take him, go to a group home. Maybe that'll teach him that he has it good here in, in the suburbs of Tucson. Right. Um, so I am livid at this point and I'm, I'm just, I'm in tears. I'm crying. Like, I'm like, you can have my kid right now. And he, he was like, okay, ma'am. Okay. Like he's, you could tell he's a very introverted person anyway. <laughs> so dealing with me was probably like, <laughs> poor guy. And, and I apologize to him after the fact I, you know, and he understood the emotions that are involved in this kind of a thing. And, and then it, it had just taken so long. Mark goes, do I have to talk to you? I gotta go. And he goes, no, you don't. And Mark left. Mark left and didn't talk to him. And he, the DCS guy goes, okay, it's over. There's no case. We're done. We're done. We're, this is, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I have no findings, right? Like anything, anything abusive is happening in this house. And in my mind, I'm like, no shit. Um, that stupid counselor. Like I'm, and, and I'm trying to forgive her. I really am because I know in her mind, she thinks she's doing the right thing. But my, my argument is don't go do something that involves something you haven't experienced yet. Okay. So she doesn't have kids. She wasn't married. She was young. She was like in her twenties or something. And like, she's going to tell me how to act when my kid steals a thousand bucks from me. Like I just get out of here with that. Like you, you don't, you, she was the wrong counselor for us. So that's all I have to say. Um, but you can tell how I feel about it. So same thing with my friend, like she's going through this. And then my other friend just had there, she's going through a divorce and her husband's just using the system to harass her. So now she's got a DCS complaint on her for abuse and mental abuse. And he's just trying to get it. So it's, uh, you know, he gets full custody. Like, and that shows you he's going for full custody. She's going for joint because she wants her kids to have a relationship with her father, but he's just a, he's just a psycho loser anyway. Um, but DCS is, it's a very, 
I, I can't, exp- I can't, I'm trying to think of a word to explain how I felt, but it was embarrassing. It was, I was, I, w- I had shame. Okay. I had guilt. I questioned myself. I had anger. I had, I had a lot of, a lot of emotion over this DCS visit. I can't explain how emotional it was for me. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. And I know what my friend is going through now. Like she, she is going through, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's scary. Like you hear horror stories about them, you know, taking kids away for no reason. And I know there's two sides to every story because look at cops. We, we, there's stories that are told about us all the time. And you're like, yeah, that's not quite the whole story. So I get it. I totally, I totally get there's two sides to every story, but you know, you hear the horror story and you're thinking the back of your head, Oh my gosh, what, what if they think it's this? And what if they think, you know, like, and, and they take the kids away. And that was my fear. Like, not even that they were going to take Ryan away. I was, cause I was, I meant it when I said that, like I was at the end of my rope. Um, I grew, I think I told you this, but my grandma was my heart. She was my, she was my everything. Okay. But when we were young, grandpa was abusive. He would get drunk and he would beat her up. And she would fight back and he would be so drunk that he couldn't hurt her, you know, or, but he'd like, I remember a time where he pushed her off a chair and there was a bathtub thing where, you know, things like that. And I remember he put, he pushed her up against a wall one time and tried to choke her. And those were the times I was there. Right. And so, um, yeah, so I just have lived. I've lived my whole life listening to Brene Brown. It's just talking about like, and Dr. Reedy is like our childhood trauma and how it's, how it has impacted us as adults. Right. And how we're, how we are now because of the childhood trauma. And I just feel like that, that lifestyle combined with the fact that I was a poor white trash kid. My mom was on welfare our whole entire life. We ate food boxes from Wick. Um, the blocks of government cheese, all about it. I know all about it. Kaboom. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. So if you're there with me. So, but that wasn't the crowd I hung out with. Okay. So stick with me here. So I lived in that welfare trailer trash life, but that wasn't who I made friends with. I always made friends with the rich popular kids. Always. I don't know why they always accepted me. Always. They always wanted me to be their friend. And sometimes it took longer than others. And I moved a ton my whole life. I think between, um, eight and 17 or eight and 16, I moved 17 times. So I wouldn't say not, I wouldn't say hundred percent of those times I made friends with the popular rich kids, but I mostly did. I mostly did. And I can't explain it. I, I don't know how to explain it. Um, cause I'm not that pretty. I'm not that, you know, like I, I'm not that smart. I'm not that witty. So I really don't know why that I was attracted to those groups or they were attracted to me, but that's who I made friends with. So my life was spent 
normalizing and lying about my real life. Okay, are you with me? So I'm over at the dentist's house with their daughter hanging out, right? And they're questioning me about my life and I'm just lying. I'm lying because my whole goal in life was to make that everybody think I lived a normal life and I didn't. I didn't. I didn't live a normal life. And so having this drama in my life and calling the police and having this this constant chaos was panicking. It was scary. It was, again, embarrassing and shameful. And it wasn't normal. And that was my whole goal. My whole life was to be normal. And so I just, I don't even know what I was talking about just now, but I just know that that is, that's why this was so, this was another reason this was so hard. So the, the having, having this drama in your life is so hard already. But then if you have, if you have this childhood drama, like or trauma like this, like I have, that makes it even more shameful and more, more crazy. And, and I understand the judgment. I, uh, that's what it is. I understand the judgment from people outside the drama. And so because of that, I am, I guess I'm more impacted by drama because I just, I know, and I just don't want it. I do. I just don't want it so much that it's hard for me to deal with. But anyway, so that's, that's what happened there. And, uh, again, they, they closed the case. It was over and life moved on, but that was, that was super hard. Not going to lie. That was super hard for everybody in the family, even my younger kids. So they had to sit down and be questioned whether we abused them or not. Right? Like that was just, it was impactful. It was traumatizing. Uh, and it was harmful. It was harmful to them. And so I love DCS. I think DCS is an amazing, amazing organization for what they do. They help so many families. And if I am the, if I am the, the result of not reporting, I'll take it. Uh, I would just, I would just think more common sense would be taught to mandatory reporters. So that's my argument there. But anyway, uh, I am really going to try to get Mark on because Mark hasn't addressed a couple things that we've talked about. So I want to get him on and he's just being grumpy. So, uh, but I, if you're listening, I appreciate it. Uh, my listenership went up, so it's super exciting, but tell somebody, uh, about this podcast. Again, I'm I'm very sorry about the beginning episodes where the background noise was awful. I'm going to make sure that, um, that, that doesn't happen again. Uh, thank you. And I hope everybody has a great day.